handle the truth. Should we or should we not follow the advice of the galactically stupid? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. Clearly, don't know who you're talking to, so let me clue you in. I am not in danger, Skyler. I am the danger. A guy opens his door and gets shot, and you think that of me? No. I am the one who knocks. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Brick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is 12.17 p.m. Eastern on August 15th in the year of our Lord, 2022. Had my green tea, my walnuts, trying to uh, do a three-week sort of, uh, I don't know if cleanse is the right word, but just a, uh, you know, get rid of all the sugars and whatnot um, for the next few weeks, just a reset, Okay. Um, I don't know if I said this on the last episode or on the Patreon. Oh, by the way, go to patreon.com slash jlcovan. There was a bonus episode this weekend uh, that was very good on all sorts of things. Um, so I recommend if you like this show, you go check that out. The Dave Chappelle special parody is up there as well. Um, and then later this week will be the uh, Mitch McConnell cooking show, which will be an exclusive to Patreon. The Chappelle will be available later for everybody, but right now it's just up for Patreon. Um, so there's lots of exclusive stuff. It's only four bucks a month at the cheapest level, and you basically get all the content except the live shows. So it's uh, if you're a fan of me, you're a fan of the show. Uh, you can't go wrong there. It's 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 worth. I wouldn't I wouldn't put something out there that I didn't think was worth your money. Um, so go check that out if you're so inclined. Um, shows coming up this Friday, Morristown, New Jersey at the Mayo Performing Arts Center, 8 p.m. Ticket link is on my website. Um, and after that, I got to email places for shows later this week. Hopefully I got I get some more dates. I have no new updates uh, on Half Blackface right now. So now it's been the good vibes are gone again. It's been a month Um now I'm sort of stressed to like, let's get it out or at least let's market it. And if it, nobody buys it, let's get it out already. It's, it's pa way past due. Um, it's really, really good. I'm very happy with the product, but now I'm back to being stressed about the parts that aren't my responsibility. So hopefully I will have uh, significant updates for you before September um, or else you'll hear one of those episodes that's just fucking dreary misery. And maybe you're missing those. 
Maybe you miss those. I don't, but you might. Um, so that's that. Uh, York, Pennsylvania, October 14th, and Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, November t- 11th and 12th. So just, you know, set your calendars, if uh, make a note of those. Uh, I don't have ticket links for the last two. But uh, if you're a Jersey person who's always been like, when are you playing in Jersey? I mean, this is it. I can't perform in your backyard. Jersey has certain venues. Uh, there's New Jersey Performing Arts Center in Newark. There's Stress Factory in New Brunswick. There's Mayo Performing Arts Center in Morristown. So I'm at the Mayo Performing Arts Center Friday, 8 p.m. Uh, will be a very. I've seen the lineup. It's it's a it's a, it's some really good comics. Uh, I'm hosting the show and doing 20 minutes up top. So I get paid a little extra to host because I didn't want to fucking host. But I'm hosting because. Uh, you know, when somebody's got their checkbook out and they say you want more money to host, I go, I'd like more money. I don't want to host. But if the deal is to get the more money, mo money, mo hosting. That's my comedy uh, mantra. So come out to that if you're a Jersey person. If you're not a Jersey person, um, you know, uh, don't. Um, I guess that's that's the uh, the other choice. Um, but if you're a Jersey person and you don't, you're not doing it right. I didn't give you the option of being a Jersey person and not coming to the show. Okay. Hashtag fans. Um, making podcasts great again has been on fire. My, my Trump podcast. Uh, and I don't say that like, you know me, I, I, I hate everything I do. Um, I hate people. I hate, uh, the world. I hate comedy, but the show has been on fire. We had a, a phenomenal, uh, special episode last Monday where we just made it a live episode because that was the day the FBI was, uh, ramming their nightstick up up trump's posterior um in a non-consensual but yet fun way and uh and then i posted a baron trump video Uh, i'm not ready to make those public so i feel like patreon is the safe way to reward the the top level patreon people for making podcasts great again but i did a six and a half minute video as baron trump it's 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 a sort of character i've been uh creating for for that shows community. Um, everything I've done as Baron Trump has been like the most popular thing. Uh, we did a, I did a bonus episode as Baron Trump, half the Patreon people were like, please make this public for everybody. It's that good. And I was like, I appreciate your generosity, but I'm not that generous. I want the people, if they want this exclusive bonus content that I fucking work hard. Uh, I, I mean, the truth is I do a bonus video every month for the Patreon highest level patreon people it's among the among the benefits of the of the ten dollar level on making podcasts great again and the truth is over the last two years i'm not kidding when i say especially when the algorithm was fake like i was doing bonus videos like when my shit was popping off hardcore i've probably given away in two years one video a month and some of them have been really timely and the baron trump ones are really funny um I've probably given away, let's say, $4,000 in two years as far as just making those exclusive to the Patreon. Like some of the videos I know for a fact would have been huge. Like I did a commencement speech, a 12-minute commencement speech as Trump. That was one of the funniest things I've ever done. And I just said, here you go, Patreon. It was for a fictional fictional college that I created on the show called Idaho Militia Christian. Full name, Idaho Militia Christian Bible Tech State College. Um, just kind of, uh, and he gave a, their, their mascot is the, um, uh, the AR-15 fighting potato Trumps. And it was, a, it was awesome. Like that's one, uh, like in 
graduation of 2021, if I just put out Trump commencement speech, that's that might make me $500, a video like that, or, or, or $700. No, not kidding, based on how like my stuff was hitting. So the point being, I don't put out stuff for behind the paywall that I don't think is worth a paywall. I don't think any of it's... Part of me is like, none of it's worth a paywall. I hate this whole sort of new economy. I just wish I could make all my money from gigs and movie and TV deals and like, you know, that's it. But unfortunately, it's a it's a fragmented, weird entertainment economy right now. And so Patreon is one of those places that, you know, you sort of reluctantly do. But some people are just like, join my Patreon and I'll fucking say hi to you if you pass me in the street. <laughs> um, I'm more of a, it's weird asking for this because I put out so much for free, but it's like, okay, I got to make this worth something if I'm, I'm asking people to pay. So both, both Patreons are really good. But if you're only a listener of this show, uh, and you join my Patreon. But if, if you're not a listener of Making Podcasts Great Again yet, um, before you even jump on the Patreon there, obviously, just just subscribe to that. It's 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 been a huge hit for me for, for several years now uh, for a reason. Uh, is it killing me inside having to keep doing it? Yes. But I say that six days a week, and then when I'm done recording an episode on Monday almost every time, I'm like, God damn, that was good. Um, so... That's the plug for all my stuff. Um, like, I wish I had an update on Half Blackface right now, but I just, now I'm like antsy. I'm not quite angry yet, but I'm antsy because I'm like, come on, we're sitting on a fucking, we're sitting on a, like a gangster special. Like, we're, we're, we're just, it's just sitting there. And the longer we wait, the more I have to see mediocre content, like we're a bunch of popular TikTok comics, like they graze the topics I do or they, they come cl- but they, but this half blackface is so good. And I can't believe I'm saying that because you've had to listen to me for several months, bitch about how the first show was my masterpiece. And the second one was good, but not as good as the first. But after watching the first edit of the, of the, of the second taping, I was just like, that's, that's awesome too. Like it's a, a little bit of a humble brag but it's like hey my second best show is the best shit i've seen this year by anybody so how about that and the first show will be the album so so diehard fans will be able to experience both there's like a there's honestly like a 20 minute difference in terms of like the first has x jokes and x things and then like 20 percent of that is totally different in the uh in the in the video special so there there's a reason to have both but anyway hopefully i have an update for you on that uh, soon. So all the plugs out of the way, sorry to do that, but it's, uh, it's necessary to keep my career going, to pay bills and, to you know, just, just to let you know that there's, there's good stuff out there. We're so close to a hundred Patreon subscribers for JL max plus prime. We're at 200 for making podcasts great again. Obviously my ego would like to see me get more, like I want Bobby Brown level shit where it's like, yeah, I left new edition and then sold 10 million copies on my own at 19. Um, whereas I'm right now performing at 50% of the making podcast great. And now I would hope, I don't know. This is the other trick is like once making podcast great again is done, will a good portion of those fans who don't have the money to double up, which I totally understand. Um, will they jump ship and come to my personal stuff? I hope that'd be cool. Then I keep a hundred percent of my Patreon for a hundred percent of the work instead of keeping 50% of the Patreon for more than 50% of the work. Oh, T spelling. Nope. That's for Patreon only. No, I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't, well, yeah, I get nasty occasionally on the Patreon. So 
another plug to sign up. But not recently. Not recently. I'm feeling good, relatively good. This was a great weekend. Um, I talked a little bit about this on the bonus episode, so I don't want to overlap. But um, this weekend was the Righteous Girlfriend's uh, birthday. And um, every year she asks for an, a Carvel cake. And this year, she, because she's such a diehard fan of, uh, of the cable guy, she said, can we go to Medieval Times? And I said, that was like our Saturday evening. Sunday was her birthday proper, so we went to like a fancy adult restaurant. But um, we went to Medieval Times on Saturday. I got her a Carvel cake and took her to Medieval Times on Saturday, which is why the episode, the Patreon bonus episode is called Dane Cooking. It's the new trend that everybody's getting into. Treat your girlfriend like a child. Um, <laughs> but we went to medieval times and, uh, here's where I'm, I'm going to, this is the, the bulk of the episode is going to be medieval times talk guys. I got a couple other things to talk about, to be honest, but let's talk medieval times. Um, spoil a uh, teaser teaser. First, I want to talk about Michelle branch. Okay. The lovely singer who sang everywhere was like her biggest hit. Cause yeah, everywhere. Tin. And I'm like, that's good. That's a poppy catchy tune. But all I wanted was the bet was her best work. Anyway, uh, love that song. And she always felt like that kind of celebrity chick that was in, in play. If I ever got mildly famous, you know, and boy, was I right. Because I fucked Michelle Branch this weekend in a threesome. No, I'm kidding, guys. Did you really think that was what happened at medieval times? No. Um, M- Michelle Branch was just always that like, okay, she had a couple couple big songs. And she's very cute. And then she kind of disappeared. And then I knew it was over when I saw her on like the cover of a Maxim magazine like in 2005 or something. I was like, God damn it. You were a singer-songwriter. You don't have to do that. Don't listen to society telling you like, Michelle, I think the next phase of your career is you should be a slut for bros that don't like that probably made fun of your music. They probably, I want you to dress scantily and get airbrushed for a copy of for him magazine. So that guys who called fans of your music, homophobic slurs in college can now ogle at your barely clothed body. I think that's where you should go next. Singer songwriter, Michelle branch, fire your management team. If that's what they did, God damn it. But then I read, uh, I knew she was like twice married and I was like, okay, you know, she could be like, um, I can be like the homeless man's A-Rod and she could be my homeless bitch, uh, J-Lo. And then I see that she was arrested for domestic violence, which of course, if you listen to last week's, arguably one of the greatest episodes of Righteous Perk ever. I'm not, that's just a fact. Um, that's not a deal breaker for me, finding out that you're a fiery domestic violence woman. And then as it turns out, understandable. She was, she was, she's married. I guess they're going through a divorce. I think that would be the case right now with uh, one of the members of the black keys, popular uh, rock duo. I believe they're a duo. Um, this guy basically looks like a fat Dwight from the office. Now, granted, I get it. He's a rock star that there's an allure, the talent, the, the showmanship, the skills. That's, that's, that's attractive. I've always said, I have no problem with Billy Joel having been married to Christy Brinkley. People are always like, he's so ugly. I'm like, yeah, but he's fucking, he brings stuff to the table. He's not a hedge fund guy who looks like Billy Joel, where it's like, well, she's doing it for the money because he's rich and he, she lets that fucking ugly Long Island troll uh, get inside her. Um, 
the, you know, the, those marriages that are glorified prostitutions. Um, I, Billy Joel is, is, a, is, a, is a world-renowned talent and a, and a great artist. Um, and, and, you know, writing Uptown Girl for you would be quite the aphrodisiac. Um, and he didn't look as terrible when he was in, like, his, you know, 30s and 40s as he does now. You know, that's what happens. But, um, and, and it's genuine because he doesn't play Uptown Girl anymore, and I respect that. And I know The Righteous Girlfriend, when she took me for a birthday present to see Billy Joel at the Garden, um, where the audience was basically Sebastian Maniscalco's audience, they could have just done a double bill. You know, are you Italian or Jewish from Long Island? Uh, well, boy, have we got a treat for you. We've got the musings of Sebastian Mascalco followed by the piano, man. Holy fucking shit, bro. Have I died and gone to Strong Island heaven, bro? bro. Um, <laughs> so he stops playing it, which tells you it's legit. You know, that's I, I, it's a bittersweet thing, but I'm like, yeah, that's a, that's a real song that wasn't written generically for no one. Like he wrote that for Christy Brinkley. And now that they're divorced, like he's like, no, thanks. I'm not playing it anymore. Um, uptown girl, you can go fuck yourself. You bitch. I will not play my biggest hit. Cause you turned my fucking life to shit. That's what it is. Oh, stop asking me to play this fucking song. Have you ever been in love? Cause it feels so fucking wrong. Uptown cunt. No, I won't play this, you fucking punk. I fucking hate the thought of you getting plowed by that architecture guy. But now you're also divorced from him. And that was Uptown Cunt, the remix that Billy Joel can play for all you people upset that he doesn't play Uptown Girl. Anywho, who thought that I was going to bust out some freestyle? I did. Didn't write that down, guys. Every episode, you're experiencing in-the-moment genius. I don't know. They call me the goat. Dave Chappelle. Um, God, I can't wait to release Pinocchio. I know that's a bad plug for the Patreon, um, to say that I'm releasing it, but they, I keep a lot of stuff exclusive on the Patreon. All the Mike Pence gaming episodes, the Mitch McConnell episodes, the podcasts, the book reviews, uh, all, all those, all, if you just, I can't say it enough, uh, but I will say it only one more time. If you're a fan of mine, I think you'll really dig the Patreon. Um, it won't, it won't break the bank. You'll barely even notice what's happening, but I, I really, I try to go, go above and beyond what everybody else is doing just for my own integrity. But Uptown Cunt, what a song. Um, I'm also working my next video. Some of these videos I think should go viral, and I already know they won't. But I've been working on a Chris Wallace impression. Let me ask you a question, President Biden. I know that I sound like what every black comic that makes a white guy sound like. But do you think the country is going in the right direction? And I want to do a sit-down interview where Chris Wallace, the journalist, sits down with... Uh, sits down with Christopher Wallace, the rapper also known as Notorious B.I.G. And I think that would be a funny, a funny TikTok for all the content and all the algorithms. So, Mr. Big, what do you think is going on? Do you know who killed you? Uh, yeah, man, I know who the fuck killed me. And I'm gonna get him once he, once he gets to heaven. So you're saying you're in heaven because reports have been that due to your vulgar rap lyrics, you might be in purgatory. Nah, motherfucker, I ain't purgatory. 
And that will be the kind of uh, content we'll deliver for all the all the crossover fans who love ex Fox News journalists and dead rappers. I mean, is that not JL content or is that not JL content? JL content, making very few people content, not afraid of doing things for himself so that he can then complain about how they're failing. Ron Reagan Jr., everybody. If you don't know, now you know, Biggie. Uh, that is, uh, I don't know how many times I should explain the Ron Reagan Jr. because I have this very optimistic vibe of like, well, what if this week I got 500 new listeners? I didn't. I probably got like three new listeners. Um, and then they leave right after being like, JL is much more vulgar and depressing in real life. I prefer his character work. Um, but Michelle Branch, married to the Black Keys guy, and uh, he looks like an, like an out-of-shape Dwight. And I don't know that he has... Maybe he does, but I don't know that he has Billy Joel-level overcome ugliness talent and, and, and legend status. But maybe he does. Or maybe Michelle Branch was like, third time's the charm. Wrong. Well, he cheated on her. She was pregnant or she had just had... She has, they have a six-month-old together, I believe. And that means... She might have been like, you know gone from all I wanted to you'll do because I want a baby. I'll take, you know, you're a musician. We can have a talented kid. Let's just pray to God. He doesn't look like you, you fucking gangly double chin nerd fuck. All I wanted was um, and she slapped him a couple times, which feels, I mean, when an ugly guy, when an ugly piece of shit cheats on you and you just had his baby. I don't know. It feels like an appropriate response. Oh, violence is never the answer. Eh. Is that I mean it's violence. It's violence in the technical sense. But then this guy, this black keys guy, which if you say it fast, you really sound racist. This blackies guy. <laughs> um I mean what was their other band option name? The Dark Keys? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he called the cops on Michelle Branch. Isn't that crazy? Doesn't that seem crazy? And, you know, maybe this is, I mean, if this special can, po if, if half blackface can, can, she's already dated a black key, maybe she'll date a half blackface. But isn't this, I mean, but, but the, you know, what a what a what a downturn for Michelle Branch. You know, tw twenty years ago, she was this cute little thing, singing because you're everywhere in me, and now she's just like, I'm being a rain today because of Black Keys. They're a fucking pair of dog shit nerds. Music's overrated. Um, it's a sad downturn. It's a real downturn for Michelle Branch. So, Michelle Branch. Come find your tree. Isn't, wouldn't that be a good pickup line if I were single to go up to Michelle Branch and go, I think your branch is in need of a tree. And then she vomits on me and I call the cops and say, she domestically violated me with vomit. That is assault. She puked on me. Arrest this bitch. <laughs> um, oh, who knew the Michelle Branch tribute was going to be so so powerful and so emotional. But it's uh, it's fun times thinking about women when it's it's just sad when you realize wow maybe pete davidson is on to the right the right path he just kind of 
maybe he just has an, uh, the, his whole thing is just maybe like, I'll be nice, I'll be polite, and I won't ever think anyone's out of my range. And he, you know, that kind of, that, that kind of confidence, like an NBA player who people will laugh at and you go like, we know you're not as good as LeBron, but you are in the NBA. You are averaging 17 points a game. Like you should be out there to a certain degree thinking I'm, I'm the best right now. I'm going to take over this game. And maybe Pete Davidson just has that. I think sports people call that like the irrational confidence guy. Maybe that's just what works for him. Be nice, be confident without being arrogant and shoot your shot and and maybe you know you'll get a Kate Beckinsale you know you'll be like hey underworld movies were a long time ago would you would you like to fuck you you were a relevant middle-aged woman you would great and that's what I was I was going to go for that angle with Michelle Branch you know find your tree everybody out there find your tree <laughs> um anyway guys so we go to medieval times and the ambiance is very nice. We arrive. I did a video. I hope you guys will watch it on my YouTube. I parodied a Christian. I, I just figured there were enough things happening at medieval times. that I was like, I'm surprised there hasn't been a conservative Christian dad or a, or a MAGA guy who's been like, I used to love coming to medieval times until they got woke. But we get down, we get to our tape. We go in and the, the big hall is very nice and the and that the bartender, uh, it feels especially, I got to say, maybe it's because it's Jersey or whatever, but all the bartenders were black women. And she, they were, she was just like, what would you like to drink, my lord? And I'm like, ooh, boy, this feels, uh, thank God my pops is black because boy, oh boy, would I feel, I mean, are there white racists who go to medieval times and go, call me your lord, black bartender? <laughs> Like, what an easy, relatively cheap way to satisfy your racist erection. Medieval times. Just go to the bar and like, what would you like, my lord? Well, I'd like you to wipe that smile off your face and get me one of these white power drinks. No, there are no drinks called white power, but it's like, get me a king's thirst, black bartender wench. Like you could just easily veer slightly into the racist at medieval times, and they'd probably have to be like, "Is he allowed to bring up race?" I thought we could—they could just like make fun of us for being poor, like we're the wenches. But uh, we got a couple drinks at the bar. We walked around. It was just—it was like it was—it was carefree. And there's like families. We went to the eight o'clock show, medieval times after dark. Um, you know, that's where the where the murder and fucking show takes place. Um, it is, and I said on the bonus episode where I was previewing, I, I recorded the episode before going to Medieval Times, uh, so just listen to that, it's a good companion piece, you know, I'm not going to spoil any more of the paid content, but we get our drinks, we're rocking around the big hall, it feels it feels kind of like, you know, like a Disney kind of thing, like where you're like, hey, the ambiance, and there's all the, the different, different uh, uh, armor and swords and things to buy and um i noticed like some there was there was like you know you see some people in their 20s and i was like really I, the last time i was there it was literally 30 years ago for idan gazit's birthday uh israeli classmate of mine in high school who for some reason i was telling i was telling the righteous girlfriend i remember everybody's birthday from from high school i remember the three girls who had birthdays in april because that was my month and i could tell you right now like the three like the three girls who had april birthdays right around like right around mine haven't seen these women in, in decades. <laughs> um, Kin, uh, but Idan Gazit had, if I'm not mistaken, 
the same same birthday as Donald Trump. Weird things to remember. But we went to Medieval Times, I believe, for his 13th birthday. And because I think he may have had a bar mitzvah in Israel. So this was, I, I, I'm, I could be making this up, but I think if my memory serves me, that's what happened. So he had like his kind of 13 through 13 year old birthday party for his friends at medieval times. So we went and I remember liking the show, you know, 13, that's the right time and not giving a fuck about the food. I don't know if it was good, bad, or just like it was fine, but I didn't really get, you know, just you're there with friends and you're yelling and going, go red night, motherfucker. And so it was, it was a fun time, but like now we go in there. And the woman comes up, and they were wenches back then, okay? In 1992, Bill Clinton's America, you could call a young waitress a motherfucking wench, okay? That was the best of both worlds. You had, you had a Democrat in the office and Trump policies on the street. And you could call them a wench. You'd be a 13-year-old learning misogyny, like, wench, get me some Pepsi and make it fast. Yes, my lord. Um, and... So our wench shows up, okay? And she goes, I'll be your server tonight. And I was like, you'll be my what? <laughs> Think you fucked up, wench. And for that, I'm going to call you a bitch. I get one bitch. If you, don't, if you forget that you're a wench, I actually get to call you a serving bitch for one, one appetizer. But she was just like, I'll be your server. And I was like, okay. And they call you my lord. But like... <sighs> It's nice to have the uplift being called my lord. But it doesn't feel as good if I can't also downgrade you to serving wench, right? Like, it's that Trump mentality of like, I can win, but it doesn't feel like a full win unless I also call you a loser. And, you know, I'm sitting there going, okay, I guess she's just our server. I guess medieval times has gone woke. And... She pours out the tomato bisque soup first first round. Delicious. Oh, man. Ready to eat. Hot enough to feel hot, but cool enough to eat immediately. Well done, Medieval Times. So we're sitting there, and we get the soup, and I'm drinking the shit up going. And I'm kind of like questioning. I'm like, this is really good, right? Because <laughs> you don't want to be like that. You don't want to be some yokel who's like, you know what my favorite restaurant is? Olive Garden. You know what my second favorite restaurant is? Medieval Times. They do a good job there with they chicken. You don't want to seem like some ignorant yokel piece of shit, but I'm like, this is good, right? Like, I wasn't secure enough to be like, uh, is Medieval Times my favorite restaurant in New Jersey? Maybe. So we eat that. Then she comes over with the garlic bread, gives us some garlic bread. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm like, this is good fucking garlic bread, man. This is good fucking garlic bread. And then, you know, some tournament stuff happens. And we're like, oh, like horses doing tricks. But then I start, you know, as I get older and the testosterone drains from my body and I get closer to becoming trans, I go, um, I, that was a joke. I don't even know. I, I don't want to become trans. I don't feel that is my truth. But I, I hope that was not offensive making, you know, being trans is not just about low testosterone, right? You fucking bigot. I know. And I apologize. And I will learn. I will read. I will reach out. I will do better. Um, but all I kept thinking was like, I hope the horses are treated okay. But I'm like, but the only way to get horses to do tricks and shit is to like break them usually. So they've been whipped probably. And it's like, you start to go like, I, I hope they're friends. I hope all their horses are friends with each other. And I hope they get to eat like lots of high quality hay 
and, and get to rape other horses for fun. Like, I hope they get to do whatever it is horses get to do to have a nice life. But then I got past that because then the chicken showed up and it was a half a fucking chicken and it wasn't turkey leg. They, 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 they're not doing that cheap shit anymore. Let me tell you guys something. This chicken was fucking awesome. Big, juicy breasts. You know, I was, I was playing with the nipples. I was having so much fun with my chicken breast. And I just, the spice, it was nice and nice spices, nice, like just juicy. And I was like, how are they doing this? Cause they're mass producing like, the, like they're cooking, you know, 500 people's worth of chicken three times a day. So you just expect it to be sort of mass produced mediocrity. The chicken was fucking great. And then they had these baked potatoes, but they cooked them so that you could, you know, you don't have utensils. So they were like almost like potato wedges, but they were baked potatoes delicious they were out of corn which is a problem for the group next to us but they said but we have sausage instead of corn i was like well that's what you do when you can't have a vegetable you replace it with processed pork products delicious sausage delicious i only ate three bites of it because i was like i'm not it's sausage is obviously heavy and i'm thinking about becoming muslim so i was like no pork for me not too much pork a little pork Delicious, very tasty. It was not something I wanted to eat a lot of, but it was like, boom, nice little, little little change of pace. And I'm just sitting there going like, what the fuck am I eating? Why is why is Medieval Times killing it in the kitchen? Like they, you know, and meanwhile, I'm like the tournament's okay. It's kind of fun. Um, spoiler, the Green Knight won the whole thing and the Green Knight was a sassy bitch because these people are obviously actors and you know, it's a, it's a job. It's a, it's probably a decent job. And, and to be honest, the Lindhurst medieval times, the Lindhurst, New Jersey medieval times made the papers for, for unionizing their, their talent. Um, so yeah, I was supporting a union labor show. So I felt good. I felt like a good progressive, you know, my serving wench was now a serving person and, uh, you know, the, 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 the knights and, and queen and jesters were all fucking unionized. So it was a good, it was um, pro-labor medieval times. But I'm sitting there going like, why is this food so good? Like the show is fine. The show is for kids, it feels like. It's, it, and that's the dilemma. But I'm like, this food is so wasted on kids. And this tournament is wasted on adults. But I'm sitting there going, God, this is good. And then there was a table of like, 10 gay guys i want to say like 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 mid late 20s and they were doing birthday announcements it was very funny because righteous girlfriend found out they were like would you like your title to be lady and she's like sure and then she's listening to the different birthday announcements and they're like queen michelle and she was like what the fuck i could have been queen why was i offered lady at first and i was like that's a good point maybe you don't want everybody to be a queen but like I said, what about Duchess? Do you want to be Duchess? And she was like, that makes me think of Camilla Parker Bowles and I don't want to be her. And I was like, well, okay, geez. I mean, then fucking lady it is. That's, that's what you get. But then I laughed because the gay dudes who were using, they bought like a couple of swords, like from the gift shop, like glow in the dark swords. And they were like pretending they were penises. Um, and I was like, oh, look at the, look at these gays being everything the Republicans think they are. <laughs> But then they were like, Lady Kobe. And then one of the dudes was like, mm-hmm. Like they were, and when they would go to the bathroom, some of them, like well, they would take trips to the bathroom. When they would walk back, they had to pass our table. And they just, they, they practically vogued 
on the way. They just strutted, put their hands up and kind of quasi vogued on the way back to their seat. And I was like, well, that has been more entertaining than the tournament. Uh, and I mean, no disrespect because it's like, there's these guys are horseback riding and like choreographed fighting. So I'm not, I'm not shitting on these guys, but for me, it's like, I've seen game of Thrones. I've watched WWF. It's hard for me to get pumped up about this, you know, like, if they start, you know, it'd be funny if they did like a midnight medieval times where we're like, this is the one where we actually kill one of our actors and we sexually assault. Not that I'm looking to see this. I'm just saying if they turned it into fucking Game of Thrones for the midnight medieval times, the tickets are $500 and uh, non-refundable. And all of our actors have signed a waiver <laughs> and um, we have brought in uh, two consenting porn stars to do the sexual assault scene, but you're going to see some real medieval times shit and also great chicken. Um, and then the dessert comes out and it's these eclairs. And I, this was when I was like, you know what, medieval times, if this is like a whack ass dessert, like a bear, like desserts, dessert, it's going to be okay. It's going to be sugary and creamy and whatever, but it's like, it doesn't have to be fucking great. You've, you've, you have impressed me beyond belief. Best eclair I've ever had. Best eclair I've ever had, and it's not even close. It's not even close how good this eclair was. A lot of eclairs you'll get will be like, um, oh, that's a that nice little cream on top or fudge, like like chocolate or vanilla glaze on top. Okay, very nice. And it's like the pastry is a little thick, but it's flaky, and you get a nice little cream inside. Okay, good, good. I, I Give me, just d dump that, that medium creamy load down my dessert-loving throat. This one was like... 90% cream in the middle. This was the greatest eclair I've ever had, and it's not close, and I've had good ones. Um, I always enjoyed the, the chocolate eclair at Financier, which was like a Manhattan chain of like fancy pastries. Um, and I've had eclairs from Entenmann's. I've had eclairs from other bakeries. I've had many different eclairs. I had school, cafeterias, whatever, a whole range. This was the best by a mile. Um, and... I was just like, what the fuck? Like, it was it was more confusion at this point. Like, what is, what is this weird flex Medieval Times is doing? Like, I feel like the New York Times food critic should go to Medieval Times as like a feature piece and be like, does Medieval Times have one of the best meals in Jersey? I fucking loved every minute of the meal. But then because it was the birthday and I signed up for the VIP package. <laughs> what a flex. We got birthday cake also. Now, like half the fucking crowd gets birthday cake because that's like half the reason people go to this shit. Um, it was basically like Entenmann's golden fudge cake. And and I felt like, it almost felt like they should, I love Entenmann's golden fudge cake. The Righteous Girlfriend just let me eat hers as well because um, she was just like, uh, this isn't like good cake. And I was like, well, it's good enough for me because I'm not a pretentious motherfucker. But I get it. It was so weird because it felt like did they run out of their birthday cake, traditional birthday cake earlier in the day, and they were like, just go buy 50 Entenmann's golden cakes, throw them in the fridge, and then cut open some slices uh, for, for the birthday people as their bonus dessert. But it almost felt like they should have just not had birthday cake because they had like pitched a perfect game meal-wise. And... Um, but I enjoyed the cake, but it was like, it was, the cake was the level I expected the whole meal to be at. Instead, I had the greatest like soup chicken dinner I've ever had in my life at medieval times. Very weird, like surreal. Cause you're just sitting there going, will I sound like a fucking idiot if I'm like medieval times 
is a great meal. Um, is it enough for me to go back there and just be like, let's watch this fucking tournament again, but let me eat this fucking meal. And I was like, probably not, but I'm going to miss that meal. Like I'm going to think about that meal. I'm going to be like, that fucking soup was good ass tomato bisque and then the fucking garlic bread. I want to get seconds, but I restrained myself. And then that chicken, I was just fucking digging in with my hands like a fucking animal. It's like, this is fucking good. what the fuck? And then the eclairs, I was just, I was like, you know, I was just ready to have like a, like a bukkake from these eclairs. Just like, give me more, give me the cream. God, it's so fucking good. I love it. I love it. Is that how like really filthy porn stars genuinely feel? Like, like, or are they just good actresses? Like, are there some who are just like, I just love it. Give it to me. And that's how I was with these eclairs. I was like, I want more. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give me the fucking, give it to me. Put it in my mouth. Anyway. But it was wholesome because it was dessert. I wasn't doing any porn act outs. I wasn't doing any gay porn act outs, especially not with that crew sitting behind us. They might have taken me up on that offer. They, unlike Michelle Branch, they might have tried to climb this tree. Okay. Homophobia check. Um, amazing, though. Weird and amazing uh, night at Medieval Times because the meal was so great. Period. End of story. Moving on. Let's move on. There's nothing else funny about the Righteous Girl's girlfriend's birthday weekend, although I tried to convince her to do a bonus episode of the podcast for the Patreon called The Righteous Girlfriend. Um, and uh, she's like, I don't have that much to talk about. And it's just a weird pairing we are because she's so, when I go on the road or when I'm like, when I was away for like several weeks earlier this year, her main complaint is like she misses me, of course, but she's like, it's too quiet without you. And... I like that. We're very yin and yang. She's, 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 she's quiet and I'm not, <laughs> but she's not like meek. She's just like, eh, stay with my thoughts. And I'm like, most of the time that's good because I'm so volatile. I need somebody who's a, I need a calming presence. Like I said, she's my emotional support human. <laughs> I bring her on airplanes for free. <laughs> this is actually my therapy girlfriend. Uh, she calms me when I'm being a fucking psycho about social media and comedy. So yeah, she doesn't have to go in storage. She gets a seat right next to me in her Velcro cage. Okay. I have a doctor. Excuse me. I have a doctor's note. You fucking rude airline employee. I have a doctor's note that says I can bring my emotional support girlfriend with me and she'll have the vegetarian meal, please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Not talking to you anymore. Thank you. You've been rude enough. I will be writing to Delta. Thank you. Um, anywho, let's talk. I talked about diversity on the the bonus podcast has a big talk about um, what Bill Maher's final rule was in terms of diversity and casting. So I think I make I talk about that and I talk about independent voters. So you'll get you'll get that on the bonus episode if it's it, maybe this is a reminder to some of my Patreon people also to go check that out. But I hope you enjoy that. Um, just a couple more things to talk about and then I can get back to my fucking day job. Um, I'm hating it. Oh yeah. There's a lot of friends talk. There's a lot of friends talk and it comes often from the African American Twitter community. People love to shit on friends. I thought friends was funny. I, I can't watch any sitcom really for too long, like for too many seasons, but I remember watching friends for a couple of seasons and my white mom and black dad really enjoyed Friends. My dad's favorite character was Phoebe because he would always say, it takes a lot of brain to be that stupid. 
meaning like to play a dummy in a show convincingly. It takes a lot. And, and yeah, there you go. She's a very talented actress. Um, but he was a big Phoebe fan and my mom uh, was a big fan. She liked Chandler the best. And I think I like Chandler the best too, but friends was a humongously popular show. And I thought funny. Um, and I think I have a pretty good sense of humor. I haven't watched it again, but in the moment, in the, in the mid late nineties, I thought friends was funny, but according to Twitter, apparently it's not. And, um, I did watch living single, uh, and I didn't think it was as funny as friends, but I watched it. It had, but the reason I watched it was like, I liked queen Latifah and I really liked, um, Tootie from facts of life because boy, oh boy, did she grow up. I mean, she was, she was hot as shit. So I was like, well, uh, I'll watch this show um, because Tootie is fucking hot as fuck. And I find Queen Latifah fun and entertaining and, and varied in her talents. So I watched it for, and I just never found it as funny. I'm sure I laughed. I liked it. I watched it for a few seasons, but I didn't like find it as funny. But, but, but Twitter now is in this, like this, this friends is like the show to beat up for some reason to prove like what a racist, dumb society we are. I'm like, we have a lot more things to poke fun at, but people like Lisa Kudrow recently said she played it smart. I think she said we had no business, um, portraying black stories on the show. And I think her, her thing was basically the, un, the the implied thing was like, well, we had a bunch of white writers and we were a white cast. So we were just going to tell this story. We weren't going to try and tokenize or do something. So people's response to that was like, how about you get some, some, some people of color in the writing room? Of course. But she doesn't have a time machine to go back to 1994. Like we were a different society then, but this kind of like picking on, I, I, I don't get it. And people were like, People t- like there's always these memes like people telling me friends is funny and like it's just a deadpan person. Not kidding you. I went out Saturday for a walk and I saw a black woman walking with who I believe was her, you know, maybe late teens, early twenties daughter. The daughter and I checked the shirt. I didn't want to check it too long because it was like written across her chest and I didn't want to think she was I was checking her out. But I wanted to make sure it wasn't like a parody shirt where it's made to look like something, but it actually says something else. She was wearing a friend's t-shirt. And I thought, well, isn't that funny? In a non-funny friends kind of way. Look at this this 20-year-old black woman is just walking around with a friend's shirt. Like, yeah, I like friends. <laughs> now maybe she just got the shirt because she was like, no, I like fr- the a concept of friends is something I like. But but I'm gonna say that she likes the show Friends. But I don't know why on social media it's become this new, this thing to like revisit friends and be like, what a piece of shit show, horribly unfunny and very emblematic of racism. But here's my point with this. And this happened several years ago. I remember when I was writing a few comedy columns for the Huffington Post way back in like 2012. And the now very sort of famous Phoebe Robinson had written one for the Huffington Post about how girls, the show Girls, because that was like a big, that was like a hot Huffington Post kind of topic. And she had written that like Girls doesn't reflect the city I know because Girls was too white. It's too white a show. And they had like 10 different articles from people on this topic in the New York Times. And mine was seventh on the list, but it was the second most read one. And I, pre- I, I thought, yeah, that's right. I didn't get any boost from being first on the list, but I fucking, I got, I got the readership because I wrote a fucking masterpiece. And the, the, the point of the piece was I went to liberal arts college. I went to a law school, very strong efforts at diversity in those places. And then when I go to bars in my native New York City, you know what I see a lot of? Monochromatic friend groups. 
sorry, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not even saying it's wrong, but I see that. Like I see if I go to a bar in Midtown Manhattan or a bar on a Friday night in, 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 in lower Manhattan, yeah, I'll see some diversity, but guess what I'll also see? Plenty of like quartets of white women. Like, and for some reason, Sex in the City didn't catch the smoke, it seems, as much as Friends. I think because Friends, everybody made a fucking million dollars. Like, I think some of it has to do with the fact that Friends was so, fu- they all got so fucking wealthy off of that. I think that's why people have complaints about Sex and the City, but not, it's not, Friends is just this like unique target for some reason. Like, it's the only show from 30 years ago that, that was like violative of modern day uh, diversity norms. But I was like, yeah, the idea of six white people young white people living together. The biggest joke of the show, of course, was that how did they afford this like fucking $10,000 a month apartment in 1997, which is probably like 18,000 or 20,000 a month now. But if your issue, like, because it's this catch 22, it's like, you should have hired more diversity. And then, and then what, if they had had this magical diverse group of friends in 1996, it would have been like, look at them acting like, Every every friend group like like New York isn't segregated, like every friend group is a Benetton ad. Get the fuck out of here! That 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 shit never happened. That shit ne- almost never happened. And look at them trying to trying to make it seem like everything was okay. Um, so you would have, I think you would have had a like some sort of tokenism. They didn't write it the right way. That wasn't realistic. And instead, they just wrote what they you know it was a white people show starred white people clearly written i think by white people but it was like i don't get what the pro like what not what the problem is but like what do you want them to do and then when girls my whole thing with girls was like oh yeah it's not a diverse show but if you live in new york city you can find tons of like my, my thing was like yeah you go to schools and uh, where where they're making an effort at diversity and then you come home literally and figuratively and you're hanging out with your group of white friends um, I have friends of all different stripes, but you can catch me at a bar, um, on, on a given Friday and I'll be, you may not even know I'm the POC in the group. You might just think, look at those four white guys. So the idea of like four white girls hanging out, go to a bar, go to bar in Manhattan. See if you can find in 2022, a group of three white roommates who are hanging out with their fourth white friend from college or a friend of a friend and, or their white boyfriend and his bro from Duke lacrosse and screaming the N word at, at, at people. See if you can find that in a, in a, in a bar. I think you can, I think you can find that in Manhattan. So I never get why this idea of like, you can't have it like it's a very segregated city, but if entertainment doesn't reflect my diverse utopia vision of New York, then cancel the show. You can't have it both ways. And Cookie's taking a nap and now making noises. Oh, Love the cooks. Good dog. Um, that's just my been always my beef with like kind of that, this is not my New York. I was like, okay, it's not your New York, but it is a New York that exists. Like there is... There are monochromatic friend groups, there is segregation, there is racism, there's all that in New York. And if somebody happens to have the talent and or the connections to get a show made, so be it, they're going to tell their story. And the minute, as, fee, as, as, as Lisa Kudrow kind of illustrated in the article, the safest thing you could do at that point is at least not try to tell other people's stories, at least be true to whatever story you know. But there's always going to be internet complaints. And I just find it funny that a show that went off the air like 20 something years ago is like constantly a subject of ridicule on social media. It's like, I'm sure 
Matthew Perry is crying into his $100 bills at the idea of people thinking that Friends was a problematic show. Um, can't have, I just, I don't think you can have it both ways. It's just weird to kind of want it both ways of like, they should have done this. Well, you could, would have complained because they would have done it incorrectly. Well, they should have hired Black Rise. Well, they don't have a time machine. And the show was very popular. Right or wrong, the show was a monster fucking hit. It's, that's the other thing. It's kind of, you know, it's hard to argue with on a business level of like, uh, the show was a, one of the last network shows before streaming took over to be a monstrous hit. Like a monstrous, where it's like the season finale is viewed by like 60 million people type shit. So, you know, hard, to, but, but people will keep making the argument online and so be it. And in the last item to discuss this week, um, anybody who's a fa- on TikTok or anything or in the comedy scene, especially like Maryland, D.C. folk, um, there is a guy, uh, there is a guy, um, who his name's Scott Sice, and he made these great videos. He sort of really blew the fuck up on TikTok, but it, he was one of the guys that I was like, I'm actually happy this guy's blown up because he created, and it's so it's so unique. Nobody's even copied it. That's like he he has like a bulletproof thing on TikTok, which is crazy impressive because everybody tries to copy anything that gets popular on TikTok. So he created like a bulletproof thing where he does these like. He worked in retail for a few years, and, and The Righteous Girlfriend works in retail. And so she really took to his stuff as well. Um, and he did like the dramatic music. He'll, he'll mockingly do a stupid question from a customer and then get dead serious in the screen. Yeah, Scott Sides, you'll, you many of you may not know who I'm talking about, but many of you probably do. Really funny. So last year in my building, I obviously was a bit of a, a, a social media star as well. But I walked by a few times a guy, and I remember saying to uh, the righteous girlfriend, I go, there's a guy on our floor who looks just like fucking Scott Sice, your, your guy on TikTok, like the guy, did, but he's like so, I, 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 may have, I may have used the word like he's kind of an a-hole, but like, but I was basically just being like, he's kind of like, I don't know, like mean mugging me or something, or he doesn't say hi or whatever. It was like weird. I was like, I assume if he's like a funny and this is the thing I always do if somebody's like a good comedian or a funny guy or has a funny I just I always give the benefit of the doubt. I'm like well he's probably a cool dude <laughs> and he could be, and this is not to say he is an a-hole he might be like his twitter bio says something like nervous person but I was just like I don't know I guess that's not him because it feels like not I wasn't doing the thing like he should recognize who I am we're both social media stars but I was just like, it, it feels weird because he's very funny and like his content is really good. So I don't know why, like we live on the same floor. So he was kind of like a head nod, no hello. Like, so sometimes I'd be like, hey, oh, hey, hello, how are you doing? And I would just get kind of like a head nod or a like, and I was like, I get, like that can't be Scott Size because he seems just too like serious and like not wanting to be like kind of friendly neighbor vibe, but whatever. Like, but I was just, I ruled it out. And then forgot about it. The guy, I remember, I think the guy, like the guy who I thought was Scott Sice moved out. Um, I think one day I just saw him. I was like, okay, well, he's going to a different place, I guess. Mean mug somebody else. And I complain about this about a lot of my neighbors. And maybe it's me. Like sometimes I, I do question, like before I put all the, I'm like, do I look angry? Maybe I look angry and I'm very big. So it's just like, or I look like a fucking cop or whatever the vibe I give off maybe gets that in return. But I was just like, okay, moving. Didn't think anything of it. 
righteous girlfriend on a Saturday sees a piece of mail because she'll sometimes check the front desk because that's where like mail that's been like put in the wrong mailbox. So she just glances to see if it's anything, you know, for us, she doesn't go snooping, but she sees the, the name and it's a return to sender envelope because this person no longer lives here. Six apartments down from me in my hallway. The name on the envelope, internet, social media, superstar, TikTok, megastar, Scott Sice. And I was like, you're fucking kidding me. It was him. And I couldn't believe it. And then my girlfriend did the, the, the righteous girlfriend, excuse me, I use her formal title on the podcast. She did like a search of all his videos that didn't have like generated backgrounds. She goes, that's our bathroom door. That's our closet door. Like she was like, it's the same layout. I was like, it was, it was him. It was him. And I guess, you know, maybe he was just like, you know, just minding his own business. And he had, maybe he has a serious face like me when he's not engaging with somebody he knows. But I kept thinking, and maybe he thought the same thing of me. I don't know. I, I just, I gave him, I give, I give the what's up or the hey or how you doing or like if we're in the elevator or we're doing, but he just seemed reluctant to, to give that same neighborly vibe. Um, and like I said, maybe, it was, maybe, maybe he got that from me. I don't know. I don't, I tried not to, I tried to be friendly, but I was just like, do you realize how fucking big then he blew me out of the water? Like his tick, he's over a million followers on TikTok. He became huge. Like he opened for Patton Oswalt at the theater near my apartment and what used to be his place. And I was just like, damn, all I got was a fucking couple of like cool tweets from Patton Oswalt in 2020. Everybody else is giving out fucking opening gigs. I can't get a fucking closing gig. I can't get a fucking uh, Chuck E. Cheese acting gig. I can't get anything, but uh, oh well, you know. But I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Like the collabs we could have done. Like what are the odds that in a town in New Jersey, two dudes whose careers have not taken off will become in their own respective spheres, me in 2020, him in 2021, big social media stars. I think I had more press coverage, but he got more bolt, like he got, I think he got like a manager, like an agent and, and like obviously just blew the fuck up on and has gotten way more gigs than me, but that's fine. He's, I mean, he's a real comic. That's the other thing I like is that I found out, I guess he started in the DC Baltimore area, which by the way is where I fucking started two decades ago, practically it's, it's a, but the fact that we would end up not in the same neighborhood, not even in the same building on the same side of the same floor in a building in Bloomfield, New Jersey, and would both blow up with videos made in our apartments. That's crazy. And then I was just like, damn, like, I wish I had just said, like, I, I didn't feel like he wanted to have a conversation just even, but I wanted, like, I was like, that can't be him. Cause it's not like, he's not inviting the kind of chatter I want to have, but I, I wish I had, I wish I had said, are you, are you Ike, like dramatic music Ikea guy? And I'm sure he would have then been like, oh yeah, that is like, maybe that would have like loosened him up the way it can loosen me up. If somebody's like, are you JL? And I'm like, yeah. See, I don't even say, I go, yeah. Like what are you? serving me with papers what the fuck is this and they're like oh i love your stuff and i'm like hey smiley you get smiley jl <laughs> the eyebrows lift no longer scowling at you like a menace so maybe i give off that too and uh but imagine 
I mean, it would have helped, it would have helped me more than it would have helped him based on social media following. Um, he didn't get shadow banned on Twitter. I should be in like, at like 400,000 followers on Twitter, but instead I got frozen in the mid one hundreds, but he's at like 200 on that K on Twitter and like a million plus on TikTok. But I would have been like, do you want to do, I would have been like, do you want to do a collab? Can you do a video where you say, Hey, do you live near the best Trump impressionist in the world? I do. And then I pop up in the back of his video when the dramatic music plays. But pretty cool. I was right. It was him. Um, so I guess to any comics out there, just I, I need to take this lesson as well. Um, or maybe he like heard me yelling at Cookie one day and was like, that guy's a fucking dick. I'm going to mean mug him. But if that's not the case, let this be a lesson to comics. If you think somebody looks like somebody, just ask them. Maybe you can do a fire collaboration one day in your apartment building. But now we can't because he doesn't live here anymore. His mail is returned to sender. So I'm holding it down. I'm back to being the number one social media star in my building. But you guys, I hope you agree. I think that's a crazy, crazy coincidence. Um, and I wish he still lived here. Because that would just be, I mean, we, that, that, you get a, that, that, that's a, New York, Newark papers should be writing that shit up. Like, can you believe it? The same side of the floor. They were neighbors, like real neighbors for like a year and or six months, however long it was. And I guess he probably moved because he was like, LA wants me or New York wants me because I'm getting a lot of work. But that tall comic down the hall, he has to stay here because his career is dying. But anyway, thought that was a fun story. Crazy story, to be honest. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly enjoyed making it. I think it was my usual level of humor, quick wit, and overall genius. So get up on the Patreon, patreon.com slash jlcovan. Check out Making Podcasts Great Again. Um, if you've got money to burn, join that Patreon as well. But join my Patreon first. At this point, I'll say I say the reverse on that show, but this is my this is really me. This isn't me speaking as Trump. This is me. Join my Patreon if you got to pick one. Um, and then, uh, yeah, fun times at medieval times. So uh, that's it. I got to get back to work. I don't feel good, but I took a COVID test today and it was negative. So hopefully that stays that way. I have a major. I had a major neck issue and I've been taking anti-inflammatories and muscle relaxers. So I'm sort of loopy a little bit. And, uh, but the neck is feeling better, thank God. So I don't have to take like a ton of time or get a fucking epidural, which led to basically nerve damage in my left side of my body ever since 2019. Fun times. That's why when I lift in the gym now, my arms look muscular, but my left arm looks like a tween girl lifting. And my right arm looks like uh, a big burly guy, uh, lifting. It's very, it's very weird. Um, even though they both look muscular, one just doesn't have the juice anymore because I have to keep doing these nerve exercises. But then I fucked up my neck again on the other side, sleeping. So now drugs, I got to take drugs and hopefully get back uh, to normal, whatever normal is. So guys, thank you for listening. I appreciate it as always. If you haven't, please give five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts. I'm still short of 200. I'm sure you're probably not even listening anymore because I only picked up like two ratings last week and I have, you know, four-digit listeners each week. So do your part, for Christ's sakes. And have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy. And uh, I will see you next Tuesday. Uh -huh.